Rewind with Oshin Langan. The referee blows the full-time whistle and Galway has beaten Tipperary to reach the All-Ireland final and you cannot say that they don't deserve it. Overall, it's not ideal if you're going into games where teams have matches like last year, we benefited. At the same time, I think Galway had a hunger and a, a composure that, that would have been hard to beat by any team, whether you played last week or the week before. I suppose there have been times before Galway have thrown in the towel early and we got two or three sucker punches in the second half as well and recovered very well. Look, we'll be happy with the carriage that we've seen there. Chelsea have lost it on the edge of the area. Fernandinho! Oh! Tracking goal from Fernandinho! Seals the points! for Manchester City. I think the easy way for me to speak about the game is the best team in the first half won the game. We were defensively poor in the first half. That's that's good. Now it's Aaron Ramsey. Brilliant possession football from Arsenal. The cross in from Bayern. Met at the back post. Oh, it's an own goal. It's been put into his own net by Damien Delaney. In the quality of our game, we played at a much higher pace. It was a mental aspect as well to see how we respond to a big disappointment like we had last week. At the end of the game, we had as well to dig in and uh, to defend, and we did that as well, so it was very important. People love saying the word you know, game management, and it was, it was important for me to go out. And, um, you know, I've been working really hard with Joe, and you know, one of my main roles as an out-half is to you know, bring other players into the game. And you know, I did my best to do that today, and uh, in fairness to the, the guys around me, they made it, made it very easy for me. Even before I finished, I had tears coming out of my eyes, and um, it's just amazing to get the f- the feeling of being able to finish and and being a major champion is great. You know, I may only get one, but I'm I'm trying to shoot for more. But um, you know, I just got to soak it in. It's just feeling great. This is the Rewind on News Talk. I'm Oshin Langan. In there you heard from heartbroken Tipperary boss Eamon O'Shea and elated Galway manager Anthony Cunningham. The off-the-ball commentary team of Dave McIntyre and Nathan Murphy described the key moments in their respective matches yesterday. Uh, we also heard some reaction from the managers involved. Jose Mourinho watched his Chelsea team beaten 3-0 by City, Man City that is, while Arsene Wenger watched his team beat Crystal Palace 2-1. You also heard from out-half Ian Madigan on playing well against the Scots and US PGA champion and first-time major winner Jason Day. Jordan Spieth was second, meaning he takes over top spot in the world rankings from Rory McIlroy, who said uh, that happening was kind of inevitable, given that Spieth has been playing and McIlroy hasn't. Now, coming up, we've got more on the Premier League and uh, Paddy Mulligan will talk to us about that. We'll hear from Joe Schmidt and Ian Madigan, more from Madigan that is on Ireland's win over Scotland. Plus we'll have analysis from the Irish independence Rory O'Connor. What a fantastic weekend though it was in boxing. Joe Ward and Michael Conlon claiming gold at the European Elite Championships. Dean Walsh taking a bronze. We'll speak to head coach Billy Walsh. Uh, we've got to start though with the dramatic day in Croke Park. We'll get the analysis of Owen Kelly and Ollie Canning soon but first let's get the view of both managers starting with Tipperary's Eamon O'Shea. I just felt we stayed at the game even though we weren't maybe 100% in terms of fluency, you know what I mean, and you know, tip do rely on fluency and uh, we probably hadn't it full today, Seamus was, Tosh Seamus Callum was magnificent, you know, but we battled on, you know, to the end and, you know, he could have gone either way and, uh, you know, that's the, you know, look, we're at the highest end of sport here, you know, when you enter sport you realise you can come out of the wrong side and we came out the wrong side, so Galway really deserve credit. When you say fluency, what do you mean? Do you mean just, just our movement. Our movement maybe wasn't as good. Our decision making wasn't as good as we, we like it to be. You know, and uh, you know it's not. You know, we worked hard at it, but it just didn't always come out today. And that's credit to Galway backs as well. You know, uh, you know that's that's really what I mean. You know, we you know. That's now five out of the last six Munster champions who haven't won the All Ireland semi final. Did the gap prove to be a disadvantage? Was that unhelpful? Um. 
I think it would be wrong to, to say that the gap had anything to do with the loss today because I would be taking away credit from a team that had momentum and had, had a lot of strength and courage to win the game. Uh, you know, but overall, it's not ideal to be going into games where teams have, teams have matches. Like last year, we benefited. You know, but at the same time, I think Galway had a hunger and a, a composure today that, that, that would have been hard to beat by any team, whether you played last week or the week before. Yeah, now Seamus Callan got three goals, I think it was 3-9 in the end, but he took the penalty which was saved towards the end. He'd been rattled by a fairly bad injury before that. Do you think maybe someone else should have been? Yeah, well, maybe, you know, but I uh, just went in to see was he OK, and I was told he was OK, uh, he was not wrong, I mean, he hit it well, you know what I mean, and uh, they missed the penalties well, remember. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's hard to score penalties, and we did get a pint off it, you know, but, you know, sometimes... You know, there'll always be things you look back in the game and say, I should have done things differently, you know, maybe we should have done things differently, that's for sure. Look, losing an All-Ireland semi-final by a point, nothing in it. You've brought a lot of new players through, you've developed Tipperary, so you're leaving them in a, in a strong position. Well, they're a great group of players and a great, a great commitment to, to Hurland and a great commitment to playing the game the right way. And, you know, I certainly nothing but admiration for the way these guys uh, work hard, you know, and it's a, it's a pleasure to work with them, you know, and it's a pleasure to... To, to have you know to watch them training and so on. I've had a great three years in terms of my closeness to the players, in terms of watching them play and watching them train. But that means nothing to them inside there now. They're devastated and rightly so, and so am I. But you know, look, you win, you lose, uh, and we lost today by a pint. I, I think we lost honourably. We made some mistakes, but we lost honourably, and uh, that's all you can ask of your team. You know, uh, there's ups and downs. Sport, there's ups and downs in life, and uh, these boys are going nowhere. These boys will be strong and be competitive. There's absolutely no, no, no solace in terms of, you know. I'm just trying to reflect on a match, but there's no, there's no way, there's no. You can't think about this rationally right now. You're just defeated. You know, and when you're defeated, you're defeated. Yeah, the margins are so small, but that's why the game is the game. You know, the game wouldn't be exciting if, 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 if uh, you know, if there weren't winners and losers. We turned out a loser today, but I, I don't think. You know, I don't think this team, this team are, are strong and this team are strong-willed. And even though we lost, I, I just think we will be around for a good while. That This team, rather, will be around for a good while. And that's the, that's the way I leave Croke Park today, uh, strong in my belief. And I said that to them inside, you know, that I'll be watching this team and, uh, over the next number of years and just willing them on. What's your advice to people around the team? Because I suppose it would be easy to jump on them now, but they don't deserve to be jumped on. The people who are close to the players know the effort to put in, you know, and I think it's just maybe reflect on things, you know, that, you know, life just now is going straight lines and sports certainly doesn't go in straight lines. And, you know, and these boys, all I can say to people is these boys give their absolute best to me. I can't, you know, I can't speak highly enough of the, of the way that these boys prepared for this game, you know, and you can't do more than that. People will always be critical, you know, and... Uh, Fair criticism is not is not you know, a problem, you know. But these boys are are really real men of honour in my view. Anthony Cunningham, Galway manager, All Ireland semi final winners. But what were you thinking when Seamus Callan got a goal for tip in the first minute? Uh, I was thinking only he's going to have a hot day really because he can he can basically do anything with the ball. He's a fantastic forward. Um, but I thought we settled very well after the first goal and really had the. You know, we we were really had the balance of the play for all of the first half and went in a point ahead and showed great character. To I suppose there have been times before where Galway have thrown in the towel early and we got two or three sucker punches in the second half as well and recovered very well. Uh, so look, we'd be happy with the character that we'd seen there. People say in a game like that, tactics go out the window. But do they? Did your team stick to what they were supposed to do for 70 minutes? Because they looked like they were keeping a shape and they looked like they were doing everything that you would want out in the field, hooking, blocking, working hard, 
going for passes, going for shots? Yeah, I think they played very sensibly and, and as you said, stayed to the plan. Um, sometimes if you can see a goal, you can get erratic in your hurl and you can do things that, that you wouldn't normally do and we suppose we, we would have coached a lot that they stay to the way they're able to play and I've said that all year. We sort of really want these guys to perform um, you know, the way they play in training. So that was early on in the year. We weren't probably getting the, the, the flow of hurling that we wanted. And uh, I suppose it's, this, this game is so hard that, as I said previously, everything you do today and all year is of no consequence unless you win the final. What was the plan? You mentioned it a couple of times in interviews, the plan. <laughs> well, the plan is always to play, be controlled and you're hurling and to play sensibly. Um, was it to drop deep and, and clog up Tipperary? Uh, not really. I mean, I, you know, we, there's different facets to the game always. And uh, the biggest thing is to be in control, really, when, you're, when you have the ball is to use it sensibly. And uh, we probably drifted from it a couple of times and probably didn't feed the ball when we should have and went for a few pot shots. But uh, that'll happen in small points but overall I think uh, today we probably took more better options than say in the Leinster final What about Shane Maloney, when did you decide that you were going to give him his debut with about four minutes to go in an All-Ireland semi-final? Yeah obviously we, 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 Shane has done very well in training for us, he played with Intermediates last weekend, uh, has been very close, uh, it was a very close call whether it was Shane or Conor Whelan a few weeks ago and we would have spoken that you know he has very good, he's a very good striker and um, you know, it's, it's, it's youth is great as well when you're, uh, when you're thrown into a battle. You know, it's sink or swim, really. But I mean, he's a fantastic pedigree, uh, but we'll come a long, a long way from this. But um, for, for us, uh, you know, we, we, would have, we would obviously have gone through and known what our substitutes are, and we'd always know that he'd be a sub for us uh, late on there in the game. It's a strange question to ask, considering you won, but would you be disappointed with the amount conceded? Was, is that something you'll have to work on ahead of the All-Ireland final in, in three weeks? I, the answer to that is that in every line and in every position today, there's room for improvement. And every day you play, you have to improve. And if we don't improve, we won't get the right result. Would you be disappointed though that Seamus Callan was able to isolate lads at times? And uh, you, you'll, you'll get that. I think we conceded one goal against Kilkenny in the Leinster final. Today was our biggest. Uh, we hadn't conceded a goal against Cork, so you know, not that many uh, right through the year really. So yeah, we'd, we'll always be disappointed when we ship a goal, obviously, and that's something we're going to look at. But uh, it's, uh, it's up to the guys to learn as well from that. Finally, from me, you're back in an All Ireland final for the first time since 2012. What's the difference between this Galway team and the one that got to the 2012 final and brought Kilkenny to a replay? Well, that was a fantastic year as well and some great play and we're delighted with, with um, the performances in 2012. But today, like we've, we have a, you know, a lot of new players that are in there now and they've developed very well in a short space of time. Um, and we want them to improve more. David Burt to Joe Canning. Joe Canning, does he fancy a shot from here? No, he doesn't. He plays it down the line. It's collected by Shane Maloney. Can he make himself a hero? Shane Maloney, has he got the winner for Galway? He might have done. There's 10 seconds left for play. Galway lead by one. The referee blows the full-time whistle and Galway have beaten Tipperary to reach the All-Ireland Final in 2015. Shane Maloney, talk me through one of the most dramatic finishes to an All-Ireland semi-final we've ever seen. Yeah, do you know, it's nearly a bit surreal, you know, taking a while to sink in, but luckily we got the point to win it and we're a rollercoaster into a final once we time. Now, you got the winning point 
What were you thinking when you got the ball? Because you'd had a chance just a minute before and had kind of put it across the face of goal and wide. Yeah, I actually, I, that was actually supposed to be attempted, attempted to go, attempted to point, but it didn't even go wide. So that just showed I was snapped at it. And the second ball came in then, and it was a great ball by Joe. And just as I turned, I saw kind of Ryan kind of slipped. So I knew I had an extra second or two. And you know, thankfully, it went over. There's other days they'll go wide, but it went over today, thankfully. And what were you thinking when you came into such a crazy, crazy game? It's hard to get up to the pace of it when you come on as a sub, especially coming on late like you did. It is, yeah. Do you know, I kind of felt myself a bit out of breath there for the first minute or two and I don't know that I ever sweat as much in three or four minutes hard in my life <laughs> Did you know before the game that you were going to get game time did you know that game time was a possibility? Look you never really know, you know it all depends on how the games go and Joe, thankfully today I got my chance and took it This is the Rewind on News Talker that was 21 year old Shane Maloney on his winning point in Croke Park so tip go out but will this set them back? After the game we spoke to two time All-Ireland winner with the Premier Owen Kelly first he gave us his view on the game itself I thought tip for the first 25 minutes of the game were super so, I mean, they looked, they had space created, they were getting scores, Seamus Canlon was on form, he was the only forward that really um, stuck to his form throughout the duration of the game, and that's something Galway have to look at going forward, but look, Galway hit 20-something points, um, six or seven different scores, and even Shane Maloney hit the winner coming off the bench, so uh, look, Tip didn't get anything off the bench, look, it was great seeing Noam McGrath, like he got a super score, but you can always feel when Tip went ahead, which they did for a couple of times in the game, Galway pushed on. Galway were just so mentally right for today's game. It's it's unbelievable, and uh, they'll you know it's their day. It's one of their best championship days in the maroon jersey, and they're fully deserving of their of their victory today. It was the likes of Glynn, Mannion, Connor Whelan, and Jason Flynn with the greatest respect to Joe Canning, who was good today. He was his usual self, but they're the ones who stepped up for Galway today. This is the thing. Like I, I said before the game, that Joe Canning has uh, two danger men either side of him. I think Mannion chipped him with five points. Jason Flynn chipped in with five points, one from a free, and then Joe put his normal nine or ten points on the board between sidelines, frees, and, and one or two from players. So when you have that full forward line that's lethal, you're always going to be in the game. Look, Bubbles probably didn't fire today for Tip, and Tip's half forward line, you know, Brendan Maher, the tactical Brendan Maher maybe coming out the field, I don't think worked today. So you had maybe five forwards against six uh, Galway backs. And look, if you took Seamus Callan out of today, he hit 3 9, uh, where would Tip have been? But I just think that Galway were really, really um, up from midfield up. They dominated the game. They were um, moving and they were very physical. And I think they turned over Tip at crucial stages of the game. Uh, Connor Whelan got a point and created a free or two from just working their socks off. And oh, it's a massive day for uh, Galway and Tip. We did bitterly disappointed because even though Tip weren't playing to their their fluency and their rhythm, I always thought Tip were, had enough just to keep ahead, and that's what they were doing. But not for the last couple of minutes when Scalvey got the, the sniff of a, of a win here today they really went for it and you can see the scenes after the match uh, that's a very very uh, uh, happy Galway dressing room well, I think I saw you quoted in an article during the week that, that a loss in an All-Ireland semi-final the heavy one against Kilkenny that time set Tipperary back maybe 18 months could today do that to Tip or is that too hard to say immediately after the full-time whistle look immediately after full-time whistle my first thoughts were here we go again Eamon O'Shea is now gone as manager I suppose we would have loved to see him win the All-Ireland with his current uh, crop of players, but it's, it's not to be, so Eamon is out the door now, so, you know, like, I know from being in that dressing room with uh, Eamon, like, a lot of players' hearts now will be broke when he's gone again, he won't be there now come November, December, January, so it's a big it's a big setback, but, you know, the manner of the defeat, they're heartbreaking defeats um, to lose at the death, the last puck of the game, and, you know, I just, I feel for some of those players, like, a couple of those players today for Tip put in, Heroic performances, Seamus Callan, Paddy, Mayor, Cahill, Barrett, you know, so they'll, they'll be very disappointed. But look, 
I'm saying it, it's Galway's day. Um, first 20 minutes, I thought Galway were, were very naive. A lot of space in, in the full forward line for Tip. Then Johnny uh, Johnny Conus was sat back in, so tactically probably Galway got it right. Tip seemed to have plan A all day, which was lurry the ball into Seamus. Now it worked, but it didn't bring the other forwards into the game. And So it'll be turning points as this is to talk about. Definitely one was Bonner probably tearing through in the second half and uh, Tip getting two or three bites to the cherry for a goal and not, not getting a score so it's, uh, it's, it's a very disappointing day and um, you know look I, would, I thought all year Tip Kilkenny final but um, look fair play to Galway uh, they're back in the All-Ireland final now against Kilkenny repeat 2012 final and haven't played them in the Leinster final they'll feel they'll have a they feel they'll have a massive game in them they're now going into the final Look we'll leave the previews for another day Owen I know you're hurting thanks for talking to us Cheers Oshin Good man this is the Rewind on News Talk. We'll have more on the hurling later with ex-Galway All-Star Ollie Canning. The Premier League now and former Chelsea West Brom, Crystal Palace and Ireland defender Paddy Mulligan joins us. Paddy, we will start with the game at Eastlands. City dismantling Chelsea 3-0. Oh, and I liked him, Ushin. I was, I was watching it in between the Galway tip match as well. But certainly Aguero could have had a hat-trick in the first 15-20 minutes and Chelsea were just all at sea. Um, lost it very badly in midfield, I thought. Uh, John John Terry paid the price um, being substituted by Mourinho at half time which I thought was a little bit unfair He then uh, Mourinho then comes out and says well I'm looking for pace well he, he should have known John Terry for, for 10 years John Terry has never had pace so he should have known all of that about John Terry but uh, John Terry certainly was not the worst player uh, on, the, on, the, on the Chelsea team and I'm very disappointed yet again in Fabregas um, he doesn't seem to know what role to, to, to take up, whether to go and uh, stay in front of the back four or whether to be creative and, and, and start supplying the front the front man uh, as opposed to the front men. And uh, he got caught between two stools and absolutely uh, did nothing yet again for the second week in, in succession. I thought that last weekend against Swansea that it was the worst I'd seen uh, Fabregas play in an awful long time. But uh, yesterday, unfortunately, he, he was he was, he was at, the, at the same old thing. So the quicker that uh, Mourinho identifies where he wants, what he wants Fabregas to do, the better for all concerned. Certainly, the better for for Fabregas. Because Fabregas is too classy a player to be just on the fringes uh, in, in midfield every week. Do you think it is Mourinho's issue, or is it Fabregas's issue? Because looking at the the team lineout, I mean, you've got Ivanovic and Aspilicueta playing at fullbacks, Cahill and Terry. Or Cahill and Terry are, are centre-backs who, who can get forward as well, especially at set-piece time. He's got Matters beside him, Ramirez out wide, Hazard out wide, Costa, Costa played up front up top yesterday w- with William behind him. So it's not like there should be confusion judging by that line-out. Not at all, there and, shouldn't and be. And the way it is, a 4-2-3-1 set-up. Yeah, there, anyway. there shouldn't be any confusion and, and Fabregas should know his role and it should be spelt out to him. Now, whether Mourinho has uh, spelt the role out to him and, and, and Fabregas doesn't want to play that role, that that that's uh, that's a moot point, but I would imagine that if Mourinho says to Fabregas, "You go and play in front of the back four, or go and be creative, or go and uh, um, support your, the, the front players," well, then I would imagine that Fabregas will go and do that because Fabregas is, is far too intelligent a footballer uh, to do to do otherwise. Now the problem too up front is that that Costa is all over the place. I remember Ivanovic made a wonderful run in the second half and played a great ball across the face to goal. There wasn't one Chelsea player near it. Costa Costa was the closest, and he never he never bothered to make the run. Which I, which I, which I felt was crazy. Now on top of that, he's, he's got, he's got, he's taken Falcao on loan, and, and Falcao has not proved his fitness. Uh, didn't prove it last year at Man United, and thus far he's, he's struggling as well. And then he's got Remy as well, so he's struggling very badly. And what I think that that, that uh, uh, um, Mourinho is doing now, he's putting it up to Abramovich to go and give him money to go and buy some more players because he needs. 
as far as I'm concerned, he needs players desperately. Forget about John Stones. He, his, his need is far greater in a midfield area and most certainly up front than, than it is as a central defender. Defensively, maybe as well. I mean, when he's taking Terry oh, he off needs. at half time. Oh yeah, but yeah, but I, you see, I think that I think that he, he, he was just doing doing that to, to to show his power and to show his strength. I think he's, again, he's playing he's playing games. He could have taken anybody off. No, and he decided to take Terry off because Terry is his captain, and and, and because he's never substituted Terry in his in his in his career at Chelsea. Uh, that that is, uh, Mourinho has never substituted Terry. So I think he he, he got he, he got into his old surly self yeah. and saw the way that Chelsea were not playing because they were absolutely pulverized by City. Let's be very clear about that. Yeah, if we're bashing Chelsea, we also have to be very 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 uh, complimentary about City oh who, very much so very balanced yesterday I mean Silva behind Aguero with Sterling and Navas out wide I mean that, yeah. that will open up any defence if it clicks which it did yesterday yeah and, and, and to it, it, it clicked Oshin primarily because of, of, of Yaya Toure in midfield and Silva in midfield uh, and also Aguero is an immense player I mean, I've always, I've always loved Aguero as a player. He's just a magnificent player. He's got, he's got wonderful feet. He takes people on in the box where it, where it hurts. He goes past people. He goes past people, and he had three wonderful chances that that that, that Begovic made some smashing saves from in the first twenty minutes alone. So I mean, Chelsea could have been three behind before before a ball was even kicked. But but they, they they got out of jail very much. So Sterling wasn't as, as bright as normal. Once he took on Ivanovic, and Ivanovic was left. Floundering now, Ivanovic should know uh, better than than to be left in the position that he was left in because he should have been given Sterling another yard because he knows that Sterling is pacey. But I was disappointed a little bit in Sterling again yesterday because he didn't show up at West Brom and he, and he really didn't show up there yesterday. Navas is it the same issue on both occasions? Is it a consistency? It's a consistency with 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 with, with uh, what me, is the issue? What's with with with, with, with Sterling? It's so much. Of, Sterling has pace, and once that's nullified, mm. there's not much of a football brain, in my estimation. After that. And that's that. That would be the that would be the worry going forward for for Sterling, unless he starts getting to know the game. He's only twenty, and I, 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 I'll, I'll cut him an awful lot of, of, of flack as well. But he he uh, he's got to get to know the uh, know when to pass a ball, when to strike a ball, how to strike a ball, how to head a ball. So Pellegrini Pellegrini has a huge job because I don't think that Sterling is the best striker of a ball that I've ever seen. I think actually he, he scuffs the ball most times, and his heading ability is minus zero. Yeah. So there's 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 huge problems there. Navas is a very very in and out player. When Navas is on song, he looks like a world beater. He takes people on. He goes past them, uh, gets to the far post, hits it in the near post. Picks people out all the time. But when Navas has his head down and doesn't look up, Navas is a huge liability. And against better teams than what Chelsea were yesterday, though you, people could say, well, will they come any better than Chelsea? Well, right now they certainly, they most certainly will because Chelsea are in an awful uh, position at this moment. Of time. Nothing from City. I thought City might flounder this season because of the, the way they, they did not behave last season. But company was back to his brilliant best. And once company is back to his best and he's leading and Yaya Toure is kept in check, They've got they've got the basis of a very good uh, Premier League team. Champions League, not so sure, but certainly Premier League. Two out of two for City so far. They don't look like a team, and six goals as well. Oshin. Exactly, they don't look like a team who who've got a rudderless manager. They look like a team who are okay. I'll use the term playing for the manager. I'm not sure that uh, professionals do that. They play for themselves. But I suppose if they didn't believe in what the manager was doing, and we saw it maybe with Chelsea. When the manager gets it wrong or things aren't going right, it's it's easy for players to get distracted and their focus to to wane. Oh, well, players will blame everybody else except yeah. themselves. They won't take a hard long look but at, at the themselves start, in the mirror. Does, does the but start, it starts with yeah. the manager. But does the start of the season 
that that City have had suggest to you that they were right to stick with Pellegrini, even if the reasons, even if it was for the wrong reasons, because they couldn't couldn't get their first choices like Pep Guardiola or uh, Ancelotti. Yeah, I think that they they were treating Pellegrini very unfairly last season because I think the players had an awful lot to answer for. Um, they just decided that well, will we play or will we not play? And they'd done the, they'd some they'd, they'd done the very same thing uh, two seasons before that when they when they last won the league title. And and uh, the following season, then they just imploded under 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 Mancini. So I mean, you can't keep going blaming the manager all the time. Yes, he should be the leader of the pack. Mm-hmm. But if, if if players are not prepared to go on and, and be professional and do what they have to do, it doesn't matter who the manager is. You should be playing at all times for the supporters, for your family, for your friends. That's that's the vital thing, and for and for yourself first and uh, first and foremost, also. Now, let's talk about Arsenal. They got a 2-1 win away at Crystal Palace. We had it live and off the ball. Unfortunately, Corkman Damian Delaney with an own goal. What did you make of the game? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, a nifty enough game. I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed. But Palace, Palace did very, very well um, uh, for, for the whole game, uh, considering where they've, where they've come from. I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed with Arsenal. Yesterday, they had uh, a lot of possession, but in the wrong areas of the pitch. And again... They have the same problems at the back where Colchelny turns his back on, on, on Ward shot for goal. I mean, that's, that's just criminal for a defender. You don't turn your back. You go out, you get a block on it. And if you got the block on it, it saves the goal. But he didn't do that. He's forever doing this. And Merta Sacker is the same. So they still have those problems. I thought that with Petr Cech coming in, that he would, he would iron out these problems and, and, and get them to, to defend properly. Now, he, he didn't defend very well, uh, Petr Cech, in the, in, in the first game. So it, it, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see which way Arsenal go. When Arsenal are in song, um, Arsenal are, are, are wonderful to go and watch. But they, they again seem to be picking their, 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 their games as to when they'll produce and when they, and when they won't produce. And um, I'd, be very, I'd be very concerned about their, their psyche. I thought at the very start of the season, Arsenal are going to be the danger team. I'm not so sure that they're going to going to last the course. Unfortunately, I would love to see it. Ozil played a, a, a smashing ball across to Giroud, although it was probably slightly behind Giroud. And Giroud hit a magnificent left footer uh, in by the keeper's right-hand side. Magnificent goal altogether because his technique was, was magnificent. Now, I hate to jump on the hype machine, but uh, Stephen Ireland, when he came on for Stoke, made all the difference in their game over the weekend. Yeah, did and very well. He is the kind of player that we are screaming for in the Irish setup at the moment. Yes, but his, his, I, I, I believe his sell-by date is well gone in, 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 the, in the Irish jersey and maybe in the Soak jersey as well. Remember, Oshin, he's, he's only coming on as, as a bit part player. So, and yes, he contributed hugely. He, as you quite rightly say, he probably was a difference between um, Stoke uh, getting a point and, and or getting nothing yeah. because he was he was he was involved in both goals. Whether the second one was a bit of a fluke or not is immaterial. It doesn't matter. The ball ended up in the back of the net, and he he did the right thing in getting the ball across the face of the goal in the hope that somebody might get a touch of it, and 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 that somebody was a, a Juff who came in and probably got a, a very slight touch, and the keeper was left floundering, and so were the Spurs defenders. And that was Spurs, that was, that was Spurs' problem, because they went ahead twice in the game and still couldn't close it out at White Hart Lane. So they've got, they've got huge problems as well. But, I mean, Steve, Stephen Ireland is that type of player that, yes, he can, he can do something magical for you, but it, it might only be once or twice a season. So that would be, be my huge concern. And his attitude mm-hmm. is deplorable, because he really should be one of the top players in, in, in the Premier League, and, and he's not... Through, uh, through his own fault and through, through his antics both on and off the pitch let's and that's, u- that's, that's his big problem Let's use the word if here if he goes on a consistent run if he has found the maturity to be consistent and to be professional and we know how talented he is does Martin O'Neill have to have a conversation with him or does Martin O'Neill 
undermine himself if he does that? Does he undermine no. himself if he brings? He, he doesn't have to have any conversation with, with, with Stephen Ireland. As far as I, I I would be concerned, I wouldn't have Stephen Ireland near an Irish setup. That'd be the long and short of it. I think that Martin O'Neill would be of the but, but would be Martin, of the same mind. Yeah, but if if, if Stephen Ireland is doing yeah, what he did in in every game, if he's consistent, yeah, but he should that's have been, what we're screaming for. Yeah, for but Ireland. he should he, he should, should have been be, doing that over the past yeah. four or five years or shit. And he, he should be the he should be the leader of the of, of the Irish team now. We shouldn't be looking to, to James McCarthy or, or, or Glenn Whale or anybody else. He should be the leader. And he's the one who has decided to go down this route. So when he's decided to, 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 to go the route that he's gone, but well then there's only one way for him, that's to keep, keep him out of the place. Yes, Stephen Ireland, if he was playing well over the past f- yeah. five or six years, yes, he would be, he, he would be a shoe-in to, 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 to the Irish team. But he hasn't been doing that. And you can't, you're, he's not a tap. You can't keep turning, turning things on and off mm. and, and produce him one week and not produce him for ten weeks. It's all about consistency. It's all about working at your game. It's all about looking after yourself both on and off the pitch. And sadly... He hasn't done that. But if senior players went to Martin O'Neill and said, look, we actually think this guy could be the key. We'd have no problem with him coming in and it won't undermine you. We, we want to get to the Euros. That's all that matters to us. Does, does that help Stephen Ireland's case? Even with Stephen Ireland in, in the Irish squad now, yeah. he, we won't get to the Euros. It's as simple as that because we, we don't have the quality. And, and, and I take your point as regards uh, uh, what Stephen Ireland on occasion can do but I'm not talking about occasion, I'm talking about every game. Yeah. Every game at Stoke. Being the team every week at Stoke. Not come off the bench with 20 minutes to go and try and do a miracle, uh, uh, perform a miracle, but be in the team consistently. Play your 90 minutes, 95 minutes every week and at a very high level of performance and be in the international team and you be the leader and he's floundered in, in every area there. This is the Rewind on News Talk. We're with Paddy Mulligan, former Chelsea and Ireland defender. Let's talk about Everton. A very good win over the weekend. 3-0 they beat Southampton and they picked their punch as well in this game. They caught oh, them on the great break. Win. Great win. And, 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 you know, in fo- Southampton as well. In, in St. Southampton, Mary's. St Mary's, it's, it's, it's a difficult place to go to but their first goal was just absolutely magnificent when, when Tim Howard took off a great save that really should have been 1-0 to Southampton from the corner kick, it's headed clear. Uh, Barkley makes a great run, gets on the ball and, and Lukaku has made about a 70 or 80 yard uh, run and, and Kona uh, uh, Barkley picks Kona down the right floats it at a far post magnificent header and, and Everton were full value and, and, and you know and, and won it very very well and won it very easy and Ronald, Ronald Coleman would be very very disappointed at, at the lack of, of fire uh, with Southampton because normally at home you expect Southampton to be coming out with all guns blazing now perhaps if, if, if they'd gotten that goal that Tim Howard got a, got a, got a, got a touch to him, got, a, got his legs to the for a corner kick. They, if they would have gone 1-0 up. So it's all, it's all very fine margins. As, as we saw in Crow Park yesterday, very, very fine. And, yeah. and, um, and Everton went on and Everton played extremely well and knocked the ball around well uh, and, and passed the ball well. Seamus Coleman was a little bit um, reticent in, 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 the, in the way that he played and the way that he was going forward or, or not going forward on occasions. But I mean, he'll 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 come good again because he he is a very very good player. Uh, James McCarthy did quite well in midfield in, in a type of a holding role. Is he uh, getting his head up now? Because when you look at him play for Ireland, his passes all seem to go backwards or square. Yeah. They're passes that anyone could hit. No, that's but with the, Everton. Is is there a bit more about him? And if no, so, why? No, no, that's the that's that's the big problem with him. Everything is square and back. I mean, he never he never looks up to try and find a, a front man. He never looks up to try and find Lukaku, for instance, who is always on the move. And, and, and Kone as well and it would have been, it would have been easier for him to go and uh, get, get his head up and have a quick I'm not so sure he has the ability to go and pick uh, to pick a forward pass uh, with any telling effect 
and that's that that's a big big problem for James McCarthy in midfield because if he's only if, if all he can do is play it square and play it back, well then he's in trouble. And so Ireland, and I wonder nobody, nobody from the bigger clubs, although there's been lots of talk about yeah. it, but nobody really has, has come in after him. So he's got to, he's got to really start shaping up. Now I've been saying this for maybe three or four years with James McCarthy, and I still, I still haven't seen uh, any any real improvement. Yes, he's busy around the pitch. Yes, he'll close people down. But I mean, that's a that's a basic. Well, I mean, that's what you should be doing he's anyway. He's a professional footballer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. That's 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 par for the course. But it's, it's the extra bits that you need to get. It. He needs to get into his game. He needs to get his head up. He needs to. He needs to have a little bit of vision. Now, perhaps he has no vision, <laughs> yeah. and no matter what you do with him, that he'll never, he'll never attain that. Some players. Have you ever seen a player some change pl- all of a sudden? Have you ever? Seen no, a player, never, no, never, 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 never in a, in a midfield role where whereby you're expected more. Yes, defensively. Because defenders, I mean, are 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 are, are, are ignorant anyway, and, and we have to just go and win the ball and and hope for the best and yeah. and, and, and and knock your opponent out of the way. But in midfield, yeah. it's a different it's a different planet altogether. You have got your first touch has got to be so assured, and you have got to be creative, and you have got to get your head up and be aware of where everybody else is. I mean, I at right back, I just bash the ball into the stand, and I get a big round of applause for it because I'm after saving a situation. But when you're in midfield, you have to get the ball down, have a look around, see what's what's the best ball that I can pick out here. Who can I pick out here in the run? Who can I clip? Who can I clip in? Where where's the most pen, penetrating pass that I can make? And that's what you're looking for in midfield. Always a penetrating pass to get in between the the central defenders, get in between the central defender and the full back. And that's not happening for James McCarthy. I'm not so sure it's in his locker. Glenn Hoddle said of Shane Long that he just wasn't in the game and he wasn't doing enough. Why is that? Is that down to Shane Long? Is that That's down to Southampton? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's down to Shane because Shane, Shane for me, uh, first of all, he, he's not a proven goal scorer. Now and again, he gets a, a few spectacular goals as he did at West Brom. As he's done every place, the same with West Ham. Or, sorry, sorry, I beg your pardon, the same with Southampton. And he, he, he'll do that every now and again. But there's no, there's no real consistency there. And yes, he'll, he'll, he'll run around sometimes like a lunatic and not know where he's going. And that's, that, that, to me, is, is, is a huge concern. He's got to learn the time is runs and to know what run to make and just don't be running for the sake of, of making a run and, and running into no man's land and not giving anybody a chance. So he's got, he's got to get that into his game. And it's a bit late in the day for him to, to, to start doing that because he's a seasoned professional now, so he should be an awful lot better. Finally, story of the season so far, Leicester City. Leicester two City. from two. Claudio yeah. Ranieri is Good man, doing Claudio. the job. And, and no tinkering either at the moment anyway, <laughs> but nah, that's him. He's, I, I, I've always liked Claudio Ranieri. I think, he, I think he's a very, very good manager. And uh, it's a, it seems to be a good fit now at, at Leicester City. And um, they've, they've had two very, very good results. Uh, and you, you, when people were, were saying earlier on the season that um, there could be relegation candidates. Well, the fans are picking up six points, so if they can pick up another another uh, another twenty points uh, in in the next in the next while, and they're, they're going to be they're going to be safe. And he, and he has them playing decent football as well, which is very important. And, and uh, Vardy is, is key to them as well. He's 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 been he's, he was he was brilliant last week, and the runs that he makes, all intelligent runs uh, off the ball, and always making the space for a midfielder or or, or a defender on on the ball. Uh, to go and find him, and he he makes really good runs, and is always getting in either in in behind people or in in between the right back, we we'll say, and 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 the central defender, and he run he just times that run to perfection, and it's all about timing, and he's he's been a, he's been a smashing player for them. Paddy Mulligan, as always, thanks for joining us on the rewind. 
Pleasure indeed, Roisin. Thank you very much. This is the Rewind on News Talk coming up. We've got more on the hurling and we'll speak to Billy Walsh about a fantastic European Elite Championship for Ireland's boxers. First though, it's rugby and Ireland's win over Scotland in the Aviva on Saturday. We're joined by Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Before we hear from him though, let's get the thoughts of out half Ian Madigan who spoke to News Talk's Dave McIntyre. Firstly about the amazing crossfield kick that set up Luke Fitzgerald's try. Before that though, it's coach Joe Schmidt. One of the real positives is that it was a, it was a test match. Um, and we were tested on a number of levels. Um, I think you know, our very first line-out, they got a bit of pressure on. We didn't quite nail, and so we didn't get that early access into the game. Um, I thought our scrum went really well, so that's a positive for us. Uh, we were tested on the scoreboard. We fell behind a, a few times and had to show a little bit of character and composure to get back uh, in front. And uh, certainly they tested our defence. They were... Uh, they ran some good lines and, and we probably fell off some tackles and, and lacked a little bit of uh, connection in our defensive line. And So, you know, it's probably a mixed bag and um, the, probably the, the real positive is that you know, we can probably report a, what we believe is a, a clean bill of health. Um, everyone got through pretty well. A couple of guys got a bit of cramp, but uh, early season um, with a bit of humidity and... Uh, not having played for a while, that's, that's not unusual. Ian, that uh, crossfield kick, it was one of a few highlights in your performance today. It was just delicious. Is that as sweet as you can hit it? It just seemed right out of the screen. It was perfectly placed. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a part of my game I've been working on uh, in pre-season. And Richie Murphy to thank for a lot of that. He's worked very hard on the, you know, the technical side of the crossfield kick. And, um, I think it'd be rude not to thank Chemical Croaks as well. Um, they, they certainly taught me well how to kick a, a round ball when, you know, when I was a kid. And um, in fairness to Lukey, he gave me gave me the shout in, and um, I thought he finished it really well. You know, he's uh, great to see him back out there in a green shirt. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what the spark was. You got a little bit of a nod and a wink from Luke at the time, mm. did you? Yeah, I thought the back three were really good today. You know, they're really really strong in the air, and that's some, that's another thing we've been working really hard on. And uh, you know, over the last few years, but especially in uh, in this preseason and. Uh, Tommy and Luke and, and, and Zebo got really big uh, in the air. It was probably one of our strong parts of our game. You know, it was um, I thought we good with at times. Uh, it was disappointing that we knocked the ball on a few times when we were kind of you know building momentum. Um, but in fairness to the wingers and, and to Zebo, I, I, I thought they called the ball on themselves um, a lot, which is you know really positive and gave us great width. Rory, I guess. Um the big talking point about the game or the, the big thing that we could focus on in the game is, is, is I was going to say alluded to but it's written in black and white in the opening lines of your article in the Irish Independent on Monday if Ireland need a reminder of the step up required in the weeks to come they need to take a look at the 21 tackles they missed against Scotland on Saturday yeah it's the same number that Australia missed against New Zealand and New Zealand ran absolute riot and a better team than Scotland would have won in Dublin on Saturday um, they played very well but they have this um, I suppose just trait of not being able to finish their moves or, or you know not be able to get over the line. We watch it every Six Nations. The Scots are the most frustrating team in rugby. It must be so um, difficult to watch if you're Scottish. Um, from an Irish perspective, you know it was a much it was a step back from from last week in Cardiff, but that was probably because Scotland played a lot better than Wales did. And I think Joe Schmidt was probably secretly pleased that despite the fact that his team didn't play as well, he learned an awful lot more. Um, but there is a concern that they soaked an awful lot of tackles. They weren't um, as aggressive as they should have been. They weren't as... Um, their defensive line just looked a little bit disjointed. It's early season, it's a scratch team. There are excuses for it. 
but there's only two more matches before the World Cup begins and you know Ireland have won two games it's it's a good thing but in the world of Joe Schmidt there's a lot of nitpicking going on it's it's he demands such high standards and Ireland are the second you know by world rankings the second best team in the world and if they have ambitions to go and win this World Cup or at least get to a semi-final or a final that is an issue of concern What and who will he nitpick? Well I think there's two or three players in particular who didn't have good games I think Gordon Darcy had a, a struggled. I mean, he, there was a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and and the game plan doesn't uh, exactly make for a number twelve to be able to shine. And in maybe the days of Eddie O'Sullivan and of Yor, but in defence, Darcy was exposed a little bit by Scotland, and um, he missed a couple of of crucial tackles, particularly for the their third try. Dan Tui had a poor game; he missed a lot of tackles, <clears throat> and himself and Devon Toner, um, I mentioned, you know, soaked tackles. They 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 were they. They were run over a few times, and that's just not good enough. Particularly when Dunica Ryan and Ian Henderson went well last week, um, and and you know not not necessarily in defence, but I thought Isaac Boss was very sluggish and, and and failed to get the same zip and injection of pace that Owen Redden had the previous week, which meant that the players outside him, such as Darcy, were getting bad ball. He just wasn't getting to rooks, and and you know we saw Devon Toner acting as a scrum half, we saw Nathan White acting as a scrum half. And you know that shouldn't be happening. That you know he was getting sucked into things he shouldn't be getting sucked into. So they they had a difficult day, but overall we saw you know we get these brief glimpses at, into the dressing room at halftime, uh, courtesy of the television cameras, and we saw Les Kiss kind of you know standing there. You know he was taking front and center at halftime, and that was I think was a an indication of where the focus will lie over the, the coming couple of weeks. Who put their hand up? Dave Kilcoyne. I heard a lot of praise for him. He got a seven in your um, match ratings. And if Kean Healy doesn't make it, it will give him a chance for two reasons. One, because there'll be a space for a forward. And two, does he do a lot of the same things as Healy? He's he's quick and he's pacey as a prop. And in the scrum, he appeared quite solid. Yeah, he played very well with the caveat that he, he has a number of errors in the game, which is possibly why Schmidt doesn't fancy him as much as he fancies Jack McGrath, who uh, McGrath is, is just is more... Well, he's less prone to indiscipline. He's, he's less prone to just silly mistakes. But when, when well, Kilcoyne's on... I mean, Kilcoyne, when Munster played Toulon in the European semi-final two years ago, Kilcoyne was probably one of the best players. He he is that um, barnstorming loose-head prop who has the ability in, in open play to, to go and do damage um, with ball in hand. He missed the tackle. But I mean, you know, if your props are getting stuck in open play in the way Ireland's were the other day, Mike Ross got run over by Dave Denton. It it can happen. You know, I think that the good very much outweighed the bad for Kilcoyne. And he did scrummage well. He got a penalty against him early on, but he got on Gozer's uh, good side. So I think he can count himself. You know, he's he's done himself a, a lot of good. Um, it was, wasn't perfect. It was you know a, a seven as as you mentioned. It, it wasn't that he didn't you know tear it up completely, but he he definitely did enough to suggest that if Healy doesn't make it, and, and indications are that it's going to be very very touch and go. I'm hearing thirty seventy against or seventy thirty against with Healy. So he's in he's in he's in a real race, and even if Healy doesn't make it initially. He may not make it. If he doesn't play against Canada, we may be seeing a switch. So um, I think Kilcoyne's problem, and it's the the same problem Nathan White and Marty Moore have, is that Michael Bent covers both sides. And Michael Bent might not be as good as both of them, but his versatility allows Joe Schmidt to pick an extra loose forward. So Kilcoyne really is reliant on... He remains, despite the fact he played well, he remains third in the pecking order. So I don't think he'll go based on his performance, but he's definitely... I think he's a lot of fears that Joe Schmidt might have had that if Healy goes down, that he's in trouble. Um, other people play well. I mean, I think Madigan put himself firmly ahead of Paddy Jackson in the packing order with just some of the touches in the second half. I mean, Jackson didn't look as sharp as, as Madigan did. If Madigan carried that kind of form into the World Cup, 
as a bench option, you know, replacing either Johnny Sexton or Robbie Henshaw in the second half, you know, that's something to be excited about. I mean, the cross kick for the try wow. was just sensational, <laughs> you know. Um, I mean, as people were pointing on Twitter, if O'Gara or Sexton had done that, we'd be raving about it. And I think Madigan deserves that. Um, and Dave Kearney's little cameo coming on, I think Dave, Dave Kearney is in line maybe to start against uh, Wales in two weeks' time based on just how sharp he looked. We've been hearing about how well he's been doing in training and he uh, he looked very good. Nathan White is another one who is, who's now in the frame to go, the 33-year-old New Zealander. Um, you know, he's a bit old to be a bolter, but at the same time, he made his debut and he impressed. And Marty Moore, still haven't seen him. We don't know what kind of condition he's in. So there are a couple of guys who did very well. But again, it was Jared Payne and Sean O'Brien, just like Jamie Heaslip a week ago, the established players who just showed their class um, and looked a little bit of a cut above. Payne didn't do anything spectacular, but he just everything he did was right. And O'Brien on the deck was, was, was excellent. Um, and one who might be a bit worried is Tommy Bow because he didn't really do everything. And, and, and Luke Fitzgerald the same, because we know that someone established is not going to the World Cup in that back three area. And with Simon Zebo doing well, Keith Earls having done very well the week before, Andrew Trimble having performed very well, and I mean, McFadden, Jones, you know, the back three is the most competitive area. And I think Tommy Bow is going to have to show a little bit more, and so is, so is Luke Fitzgerald, um, to make sure that they're not falling through that trapdoor in a couple of weeks' time. If Simon Zebo does go to the World Cup, and it's looking good, does he go as a full-back? I mean, what was the what was the point in playing him at full-back at the weekend? Well, I think that the issue is that Felix Jones has been Joe Schmidt's go-to number 23 throughout Six Nations. But Felix Jones, while he did play, and Schmidt pointed this out, he did play on the wing against Georgia. He plays all his rugby at fullback um, for Munster, and because of the tightness, he, he's only taking fourteen backs, and sixteen of sorry, six of those are probably going to be half backs, which just squeezes the numbers for the rest of it. So you're looking at Keith Earls as a winger who covers centre, so that if Jared Payne goes down, he can slip in there. It means you don't have to take the specialist thirteen, and I think Schmidt is looking at Zebo as a guy who can cover fullback, so that maybe you know Felix Jones might be squeezed out because he is such a specialist fifteen. Because Rob Kearney is number one, and if Rob Kearney's fit, he plays. 15 is a non-attritional position, so you don't necessarily have to rotate 15 all the time. But if you want to give him a rest against Romania, you can throw Zebo in there and he he plays. I think Dave Kearney might be another option in that regard. It's a bit harsh on Felix Jones, who has never let Ireland down or Schmidt down, and, and Schmidt really trusts him. But I think the problem for specialists is, a bit like Andrew Trimble is a specialist winger, and then Nathan White said it this morning because he can't cover both sides, if you can't cover two positions, you become less valuable. It's just first till he gets you into the squad, whether it gets you into the team is, is a different matter. Like Rob Kearney is preeminent in the fullback position, but Zebo gives you the option of, of putting him in the number 23 jersey and he covers both positions. Now, Wales are in town in two weeks. Sexton, Murray, Henshaw, Kearney, Rob, that is. Yep. All likely to come back for that game. Yeah, and O'Connell probably starting as well. I think that this conversation, this kind of assuming a little bit of legendary status between Joe Schmidt and Warren Gatland, where they um, plotted out the two games that they had together, you know, they they both I think you know hinted to each other anyway that they'd be uh, naming you know uh, second strings in, or in in Cardiff, and then that Gatlin will be bringing his big guns over in in two weeks' time, and it, may, it would make no sense for Joe Schmidt to uh, to do to not to do likewise. Yeah, those guys haven't played. They uh, they need they need games. They need they need to start fitting in together, start playing together. I think most of them will play against Wales and England. I think the the chance for auditions are, is now almost over. I think we might see the back three might be looked at. We'll get a good indication of the 31-man squad when we see that 23-man squad. Um, but I think we're going to see a pretty you know, like a pretty strong Irish team against Wales in the Viva Stadium in two weeks' time. 
on Saturday night in Twickenham. England warmed up nicely. They started well, but maybe faded a bit in a win against France. Yeah, and it was the first hit out, and it was France's first hit out as well. And, and like we said about Wales last week, it's it's hard to judge. But they'll have they'll have learned a lot about their centres. You know, I think before the game, Lancaster said either either of their centres would go, and by all by all accounts, both both have done well and both have impressed. So they've put pressure on, and I think England's depth is the big thing. You look at you know they brought on Luke Cowan-Dickey for his debut, and he's a really good player. They have they have just in every position. They might not have the quality of of the All Blacks in Australia in their first team, but they have such depth throughout. It's 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 they must be the envy of nearly everybody. You know. And I think that's what they'll look at. But I suppose more importantly for Ireland is is that France got off to a losing start, and um, you know San Andreas looked a bit. You know yeah. he's gone. I to don't the, want to get too cocky here, Rory, but I was jumping up and down on the sofa watching this, thinking, right, we'll breeze past France. They look rubbish. Yeah, you can never tell with France in the World Cup. But he, he, the, the players that he picked are not players that he's gone to before, or the players that he used early in his tenure are maybe discarded and. Um, he's named the squ- squad pretty early. Like we we know we pretty much know who France are bringing to the World Cup, and they're all names that we know. There's no real surprise there. But you know, in what six seven weeks time when we play them, they'll have been together for a long time, and they just tend to pull together for a World Cup. And you can just you know it's cliche and everything, yeah. but you know you you can't write them off. I, I suppose is is the main thing. We we the, the, we even though Ireland have beaten them or drawn with them in their last four games, it's never been more than one score. So it's not as if. They're absolutely rubbish under Sant'Andre. Yep. They're just not as good as they should be. They can be extremely good. And in the last World Cup, it, it summed up France so well. Lost to Tonga in the pool stages, should have beat New Zealand in the final. Yeah. Um, at this stage, who would be the favourites? I won't push you to one this early, ahead of the World Cup. Who who would you be looking at in the top two, three? Well, I think New Zealand you know, showed again on Saturday morning that um, while they're not perfect anymore, I think they maybe did their old trick of peaking you know, in the middle of World Cups. And I think... You know, Carter McCaw, their age profile is edging towards the end, but they're still the best team in the world. And um, their only issue is the fact that they have to back it up three weeks in a row in the quarterfinal, semi-final, final. And someone might catch them on the hop. Um, I thought it was interesting. And Issa Nasiba wrote a column in, in, in our paper on, on Friday or on Saturday and, and said that watching with Graham Henry during the Six Nations finale, that New Zealanders suddenly took notice of the Northern Hemisphere teams and particularly... You know, obviously he's writing for an Irish paper and he knows the Irish players well. You know, he reckoned it was going to be an Ireland New Zealand final, and I do think Ireland are in with a real chance. Um, I think the English have a horrible pool, and I think that the Australia, Australia, England, and Wales could be hampered by the fact that they have to peak for three abs- or two absolutely ma- massive matches each in their pool. Um, it might take something out of them, but if England get out of that pool with quarter final, semi final, final in, in, in England and Twickenham, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. You know, that, that, I think England, New Zealand. Ireland um, and you know like you can't write off South Africa and Australia but I don't think the South Africans just look like they're running out of steam a little bit but the, I think New Zealand are the team to beat um, but Ireland I think the Northern Hemisphere teams are going to go well in this World Cup OK Rory O'Connor rugby correspondent of the Irish Independent thanks for joining us on the Rewind No worries Cheers Austin Well head coach to the Irish boxing team Billy Walsh welcome to the Rewind podcast on News Talk what a weekend in fact what a, a week or so for Irish boxing Fantastic, Washington. Yeah, we had a, a tremendous uh, European Championships campaign. Um, there were some fantastic performers. I know, I know a lot of people in Ireland only got to see um, the semi-finals and the finals, but throughout those uh, eight days, um, our guys gave phenomenal performances. Out there. What way do you look at it as a whole as a coach? Do you look at the medals won? Do you look at the progress made? Do you look at performances, even even if a guy hasn't won a fight? Yes, look at a lot of guys. You know, we'll always be judged on <laughs> the medals that we win. But 
you know, we, we look at his performance and look at his progression uh, for these guys. You know, the big the big picture for these guys is uh, Rio uh, next year, and we're looking at uh, guys that are candidates to qualify, candidates to go there and maybe do the business when we get there and win medals. But we're looking at their their progression. Each boxer has their own their own little progression and pathway that they have uh, and targets and, and goals to achieve along that road. So, you know, that game was a success in many ways for a lot of, a lot of guys that didn't even medal. Let's talk about the guys who did medal. We'll start with Dean, your own nephew. I'm sure that was very, very special. A young guy, but th- this was coming, wasn't it? And he, he has been working very hard for the last couple of years. Yeah, look, he made a breakthrough onto the senior team uh, two years ago. He won his first senior title in 2014. And he's been progressing. He's been beaten in a couple of quarterfinals of multi, big multi-nation tournaments, you know. And at the European Union Championships last year, again, he was at the quarterfinals. So just getting him over the, the hurdle of winning a medal uh, was, was a big, big, big ask. And he got over that this year, uh, which is you know, shows for great progress. And thankfully, um, he loves it. And, and he went in and performed in the semi-final and, and pushed the, the gold medalist to right to the pin of his collar, you know, and maybe in another day in a different place. So I think we may have won it. Was it a case that well, I won't say he did something wrong, but that he needs to learn from the experience and he will benefit from that experience. And perhaps a lack of experience cost him in that semi-final. And if so, what was that lack? What does he have to learn? What does he have to yeah, work there was on? A, there was a couple of things right at, right at the very end of, of, of uh, the round where, you know, you're sitting there at the time because you're, tr- the the, you're trying to look at the psyche of, of the judges that are judging as well, you know. And with a few seconds ago, there was nothing in the fight and, and he just took his foot off the gas with about five seconds to go. And he got caught with two or three shots, you know, which may have, you know, there's, there's a gong or there's a, there's a, there's a bang, uh, you know, with 10 seconds to go to let you know there's 10 seconds to go. And uh, in that 10 seconds, he just took his foot off the gas to slide piece and your man got maybe two or three shots, which may have made the decision for the judges uh, as they went to press the button, you know. Now, the next aim for him will be getting to Rio and, of course, uh, his um, his European Championship and, and the success he's had has got him to the World Championship. So uh, when guys are, are going, and, and we'll, we'll talk more about Michael and, and Joe winning their medals in a second, but I suppose you know they qualify as well for the World Championships. Are they going with the World Championship in mind or are they going with Rio in mind? Because it, you know it's a qualifier and World Championship. It's a, it's a bit of everything. Yeah, I think you know the problem for the qualifying part of it is, is very, very difficult. A lot of the guys have got to get to a final uh, to actually qualify this year. So it's difficulty this year for those guys to qualify through this process. Uh, the, the piece about for me is that it's a great experience to be in with the best in the world, to obviously try and win the medal at the World Championships, uh, and then next year the qualifiers will be where most of our guys will qualify, uh, which is around April and May of next year. But in, in Dean's case, he look at he's going to his first ever World Championships. It'll be a fantastic achievement for him, and hopefully there we can go and get to see, see where his performances will leave us, and, and hopefully he will improve from what he's just achieved this week and uh, build on us. But Michael, Michael's situation is Michael is already qualified. Yeah. Michael wants to go to the World Championships to win it. He wants to be a world champion. Uh, he's done, you know, he's been the European champion. He's been a Commonwealth champion. He's been an Olympic medalist, and he's a, the medal that's missing from. Uh, his his list is the, the world championship medal, so he wants to go there and try and win this. Joe Ward is is a, is the current world champion world championship medalist uh, from the last world championships, and Joe will be looking to try and build on that. And if he builds on that, he will qualify for Rio. He's looking to qualify for Rio, so 
we're there with a chance, you know, um, it, it will be very, very difficult. Uh, the numbers are reduced. There's only nine European boxers. That's why we had to go and qualify. There's only nine European boxers in each weight. So I think there's something like 28, 28 boxers in each weight out there. It'll be very, very difficult. It'll be very high quality. And uh, again, the performance piece, if we can get three or four good performances together, we'll, we'll be in the shake-up. Regards, Michael, what a performance from him throughout the Euros. And I guess with Michael, you know what you're going to get at this stage. You know he's going to step up. I mean, is that something that, that you think will stay? Is that something that will serve him well at the Worlds? Or is that something that, you know, you'd still worry about because guys could have a great tournament at one stage of the year. Then, you know, a couple of months move on, you go to the next tournament and it doesn't quite work out. But Michael seems to have found consistency. Well, what I was saying was Michael wasn't any... For, for us, from a, from a coaching point of view and from a team point of view, Michael wasn't at his best at this games. He did produce his best in the final. But in leading up to that, maybe he felt the opposition wasn't as good. Michael has come back from a very, very difficult WSB season where he qualified for the Olympics. And the, the style of fighting is a little bit different. There's over five rounds. It's a bit slower paced. So he found it a little bit difficult to adapt back to the what they call now is the AOB, which is Olympic-style boxing, over three rounds, which is much faster, much higher intensity, and more more skill based fight, uh, fighting, you know. So he found that a little bit more difficult. You know, by the by the end of the tournament and before the final, we we got him back onto that style of boxing, which he really which he really looks world class at when he does it. And uh, thankfully, he, you know, he produced his best in the final, yeah. uh, where he beat the guy who was uh, probably going to get the best boxer of the, the European champions because he was outstanding right through his four fights, and then uh, Michael came in and beat him. Uh, completely outboxed him and then hence Michael getting the best boxer but Michael yeah definitely that's the style of boxing that uh, really suits him uh, what has made him his name and uh, he, he, he produced his best on the last day Would you like Michael now to fully concentrate on that style or is it is it too much to ask the lads to, to, to stay with it from here to Rio if they get there well Michael obviously is already there Yeah he has to that's, that's, that's where we're going we're going to sit down with his father as well who is his coach at home uh, and that is that is the progression where he needs to improve on, on that what he's done. If he wants to be a world champion, and then if he wants to be an Olympic champion, that's what that is always on his mind. Uh, Rio and being the, taking home that gold medal. Now talk to me about Joe. What does he do from here? Joe again had a difficult season in in APB, which is the ABBA Pro Boxing, where he was doing eight up to up to eight rounds, and, and uh, he had a difficult enough season in that. Um, but came back from us, got back to what he you know, what he says himself that he really loved which was um, uh, AOB boxing or Olympic-style boxing over the three rounds, that intensity, the skill-based uh, boxing, which, which uh, he has abundance of skill. So he really enjoyed it. Uh, Joe's just got to build on that. Uh, you know, he, he beat everybody there pretty comfortably. Uh, and he now he's got to build on that going to the World Championships. He is a current uh, medalist from the last World Championships um, where he come, had come back from a, a serious knee injury uh, four months previous, he dislocated his knee and uh, he, we got him back into the ring and he won a bronze medal. So he wants to change the colour of that heading to the World Championships and he wants to, he wants to qualify for Rio uh, through that process. We've talked about the highs of the Europeans and uh, what you're aiming for from here on in. What were the lows and how do you correct them? Yeah, there's a couple of lows. I think, you know, Darren O'Neill was very, very unfortunate. You know, he had fantastic uh, performance against the uh, number one ranked and the eventual gold medalist. He won the first round and all, all the judges, and then the second round, he lost a split decision uh, on us, and then they lost the last the third round. So in Darren's situation, I think you know he's only moved up to heavyweight, and he's probably a little bit small for heavyweight. But 
you know, he just needs to work on his aerobic conditioning uh, over that period of time to be able to sustain that with the big guys. Uh, and if that's the case, he will definitely uh, you know, be, be knocking on the door for a place for Rio. Adam Nolan was very unfortunate. He beat, you know, two guys that had already qualified for Rio. One chose the WSB from Turkey. Fantastic performance. And then he went in to beat the world, I mean, the, the world rank number one in in, in, in APB, sorry, in WSB. And um, number one seed at the, at the championships. He was he was outstanding. Unfortunately, then he lost the guy who went to the final and, and uh, from Belarusia in a very, very tight contest. So Adam needs to work on his consistency. You know, over over four or five fights, because that's what that's where the medals are won, and that's where you know you, you get yourself qualified. There's no doubt that he that he will again qualify for London, as he sorry qualify for Rio as he did for London. Now during the week in the early rounds and then onto the semi-finals and the finals, I was watching on the laptop and then on TV, um, and I thought to myself as I watched, there's 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 not a big crowd at this, and this is something that made me think Ireland should be well able to host at the very least, the European Games or the European Championships. Is that something that, that, that you think we should be going after? Because there, there has been talk of it before. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's been proven time and time again. You know, countries that host events uh, have, have major successes at those events in boxing. Uh, and, you know, for us, you know, we have a fantastic team, but our team are always the way in foreign shores uh, make, putting those performances together wouldn't it be fantastic to have it in Ireland somewhere where the Irish public can go and see it? Which we have a we have a big fan base from from, from Irish boxing to go and see our best lads and you know and give our chance a bet, give our lads a better chance of qualifying for major events. Mm. Uh, now this I think is quite expensive for, to put some of these on. I'm not sure the figures on it, but you know every other country, you know all the APB and all the WSB, you know countries that have held held the competitions, they have got their boxers qualified. In those events, you know, in Ireland we don't have any of those events, so our guys got to go to foreign shores and maybe depend on, you know, a bit of luck along the way before they get qualified, and that we don't meet the, the host nation when we get there. Yeah, we've held a Ryder Cup, we've held a, a World Athletics Championship event. We are going for a Rugby World Cup. We're hosting a Women's Rugby World Cup, so it suggests that the appetite is there, regardless of economic circumstance. So, is this something you're going to pursue? Is this something that that you re- will really push? I mean, what has to happen from your point of view for this well, to, to move the, on? I think, I think the sport in itself. I think Irish boxing uh, will be pursuing that to our to our uh, CEO and to the IABA. It isn't a role for myself, unfortunately, or fortunately, my role is uh, to win the medals, and um, no matter where it's at. But I think it would make it a lot easier for us if we did have it at home. It would give our chance, you know, our guys. Unfortunately, you know, the, the places for uh, qualifying events for Rio are already are already ha- have been selected, and it won't be it won't happen this time around. But I think going into the future and heading for t- 2020, the Tokyo Games, I think we should be putting in a bid to host uh, one of the major events. And just before I let you go, Billy, every time there's a major boxing tournament. There are new names, and even at the, the, the Irish Senior Championships, which you know are incredible championships when you consider the talent we have, um, there are new names popping up. It suggests to me that the system is right. Yes, there's always things to work on, I know, but, but it, it, it suggests there isn't much wrong with the way boxers are brought through. No, absolutely. We have a good, you know, we have a good uh, talent pipeline there with our youth and junior squads coming through, high-performance units. But you know, I think at the end of the day, the, all these guys are, are brought up and, and tossed and given the love and passion for the game in their clubs, in you know, little villages and towns and cities around the country. 
and those club coaches do a, a tremendous job in nurturing these young boys. And then when they get up to the national level, at, at the youth and junior level, they're put, they're put into a system where it helps them develop more into international boxing. But So, you know, with Ireland, a lot of it is, is grassroots. A lot of it is actually volunteer-based. You know, I'm fortunate, one of the few fortunate ones that get employed to, to work at my, at my passion full-time. So, you know, there's a lot of credit must go to that, go to that system. Okay, Billy Walsh, I appreciate you taking the call because I know you're trying to relax in the non-sunny, sunny southeast of Wexford at the moment. Listen, congratulations on your success. Another fantastic tournament for Ireland. Uh, the very best of luck going forward. Of course, the next big one, the World Championships. Thank you very much, Oshin. This is the Rewind on News Talk. I'm Oshin Langan. Now it's back to hurling and that dramatic All-Ireland semi-final between Galway and Tipperary. The final score, Tipperary 3-16, Galway 26 points. What a thriller. Here is former... All-star with Galway and uh, All-Ireland winner with Portumna, of course, Ollie Canning. Oh, it was a great performance, really, Oisin, from, from the Galway team to, to, to win the game. A fantastic game. You had you know, goals, uh, goal chances, goals missed, uh, great saves, you know, some great point scoring. And uh, the game really had everything. It, it, was, it was up and down. And for Galway to pull through in the end, I'm sure Anthony Cunningham and the management team were very, very happy. But you would have to look at Seamus Callan on, you know, from the Tipperary team had a fantastic performance, and for him to end up on the, the losing losing side was very tough. Did Tipperary get enough out of the rest of the forwards, and was it a mistake putting Brendan Marr where they put Brendan Marr? I, th- I think um, for Galway, the, the intensity and the tackling that they showed around the middle of the field, I think that was the difference. I think I think they actually wore Tipperary down in the middle third. Um, in the second half, they won an awful lot of ball there. Here, Tanyan came into the game, Dahi Burke came into the game in the, in, in the Galway half back line. Um, you know, and, and the pleasing thing for Anthony Cunningham and, and the management team looking at the players is that when, when Tipperary struck for them goals, Galway went down the field almost every time I think and replied with a couple of points and that's, that, that takes the, the blow out of, of conceding a goal and it takes kind of the, the wind out of, out of Tipperary and, and their supporters as well in the stadium so for Galway to, to reply the way they did uh, on numerous occasions to them, to them you know, their killer blows really the goals uh, it was very pleasing for the Galway's management team The response from Galway and when I say response I mean every time Tipperary got a goal or did something positive Galway did something positive does that come from individuals playing well? Does that come from Anthony Cunningham's plan? What does that come from? Because there have been times in the past where we haven't seen that from Galway, certainly not on a consistent basis. I think Anthony Cunningham and his backroom team have, have been trying to get it uh, you know, into, the, into the players. The, the intensity level has to, be, has to be high all the time, and I think they maintain that. I mean, there was a passage of play, I think, in the first half where on numerous occasions around the middle of the field, Galway players got in hooks, blocks and tackles, uh, Tipperary conceded a line ball and from the line ball I think Dave, I'm not sure if it was David Burke but one of the Galway players got a point out of that and for me that, that typifies Galway's attitude today they were working so hard and getting results from it and even some of the players you know some of, some of the guys around the field they weren't maybe reaching the heights that they have on other days but they were still getting vital turnovers in and I think there was a turnover in the second half there Paddy Maher made a fantastic catch and was dispossessed and I think Conor Mahan got on the end of it and knocked it over the bar so a couple of crucial you know turnovers and, and scores came off them and they were a great lift for the Galway players Tell me about Shane Maloney he made his debut today having won an All-Ireland Intermediate title uh, about two weeks ago comes from a well, I was going to say a small club but it's actually a combination club isn't it uh, Tina Abby Donairy uh, as you kind of head towards Limerick from the Clarence Bridge direction 
not many people would have known about him before today. I'll tell you, everyone knows about him now. Yeah, it was excellent for Shane to come on and he showed great composure. Even after getting inside his man, he took a touch on the hurl and just composed himself and knocked it over the bar. Um, you know, and in them positions when, when it's a draw match and it's practically the last puck of the game, the goalposts can seem very, very you know, small and, and for him to knock it over was, it was a great score. Uh, you know, this guy has been, you know, he was a fantastic minor when he was minor with Galway and he's been, he's been there, thereabouts, you know, all the time. But, um, you know, he, he came on and just got the score. But there was, look, there was fantastic work done throughout the field before that point. And for Galway to get the, you know, 22 or 23 scores uh, was just brilliant on the day. Glynn and Mannion really stood out, as did Jason Flynn. Not only did he get six points, but as you say, he hooked, he blocked. He was omnipresent. I was talking to uh, Joe Malloy on air at halftime and I said, you know, Mannion's dropping deep. But I could have said that about any of the forwards because they were all going back when they needed to. Yeah, I mean, Jason Flynn and, and Carl Mannion were, were superb today. They both chipped in with, with numerous scores from play and that's what you need. You need a spread of scores throughout the team and even Conor Whelan got on the score sheet. I mean, I think he got two points as well, which was great for a young guy 19 and that's going to give him great confidence going forward. Um, but everybody worked so hard. Cyril Donnan ran himself into the ground. Johnny Glynn was putting himself about. Um, you know, Joe, was he was in and out of it. He you know, came up with a great pass to Maloney at the end, yeah. you know, took the right decision under pressure, and you know Maloney was on the end of it for a great score. So throughout the field, Colin Cannon, you have to mention him. He pulled off, I think, three or four saves in a row. You know, it was just so exciting, and and, and no blame for any of the goals for him. No, not really. I mean, Seamus Callan was on, on fire. Parig Mangan had a very, very tough day today. But he's a young guy. His first season, um, you know, he, he's a lot to learn and a lot of experience to gain. But I'm sure it was a very tough day at the office for him that a lot of cornerbacks, including myself, have gone through in, in our time. And he will learn from that experience and probably come back a better player for it. And is there times where the likes of Hanbury and Mannion have to just look and say well he was unplayable today no one could have done anything I mean obviously you're, you're a, a cornerback yourself you're an All-Ireland winning club cornerback an All-Star winning cornerback so you can answer this better than anyone Yeah Seamus Callan came into the game today having you know had a, a quiet day against against Waterford because of the sweeper system they were playing he didn't get onto ball and you know you know, I'm sure it was a worry for the Galway defenders would he bounce back and be getting on that but I mean you know, to be fair to, to Parik Mangan in the first half I mean, he didn't have any cover around him, he was one on one every time and Callum was just that bit cuter and that bit maybe physically you know, out most of them under them high balls there but look at it's a great thing that Anthony Cunningham and the Galway management can look at this Dave. you know, there was bad decisions made throughout the field today, not just the full back line, you know, they had problems but you know, they, they came kind of tried to rectify it as the game went on but there was lots of work to do, there was you know, shots taken today that you would have to say were maybe taken under pressure um, and lots of guys, I think there's, there's more in the Galway players even though they had a great win today and that's a great position for the Galway management to be in. And looking at it from a Galway point of view going into the final, Kilkenny don't really have a forward like Seamus Callan and I'm not for a moment suggesting that they don't have talent but will Anthony Cunningham and the Galway defenders be a bit relieved about that because defensively they have looked solid this year with the exception maybe of the Leinster final yeah I mean you know they have the experience of playing Kilkenny in the Leinster final and they Kilkenny shoved TJ Reid in, in full forward in that game and Parag Mangan to be fair to him he coped very very well with TJ Reid that day um, so you know Anthony Cunningham trusted and his team you know, they trusted Parag today as well but there, there's going to be days like this for certain players and, and to be fair I, I felt he could have got a bit more cover 
um, and it's a very, very difficult situation. Seamus Condon is a great, great player, and he's been, you know, clocking up massive scores even last season. He was just superb. So, you know, th- these guys will learn from that. They'll come back the next day, and they're going to have lots of problems with Kilkenny. I mean, Kilkenny have a number of players in the forward division that can turn it on on any given day. So they'll have to go back to the drawing board, and you know, Kilkenny will do the same. They'll go back and look at the Galway performance today, um, and they'll have their own plan for Galway in three weeks' time. TJ Reid and Richie Hogan outstanding players but they, they don't have Callan's height I suppose is the point I was trying to make and it's, it's very hard to compete with a guy when he's on fire and he's catching ball like Callan did today um, what's your advice to these players now going into the final it's, it's a place you've been in yourself kind of waiting after a dramatic semi-final going into a final well, look, they're going to, I, I'd advise them to probably enjoy the night tonight and, and you know, celebrate a great victory today because you have to celebrate these occasions. I mean, getting to the final, it's not an easy, easy thing to do. So they're back in the final again this year. A lot of the players will have experience from 2012 and you'll be hoping maybe they can you know, reflect on 2012 and, and, and you know, if they need to do things a little differently, um, you know, they can tweak their preparation maybe. I don't think the preparation ever is, is, is perfect um, and they'll just have to you know, go with that, get back to training and the thing uh, you know from a Galway's point of view and me as a supporter I think they have lots to work on and that's always a good way to go back to Galway this week that Anthony Cunningham and the management team will be saying to the players look at guys very impressive at times but we made a lot of mistakes up there the last day and we need to work on that so that's that's a great way to be I think and what's your advice to people around players obviously this is something you have experience of as a player around All-Ireland Finals be it club or county and also the fact that your brother is still involved what would be your advice to people would it be to kind of not harass players for tickets not constantly be picking at them and asking about the match etc yeah look that all comes with it I mean supporters in, in every county maybe not so Kilkenny they're so used to being in the finals every year but Galway I mean they were, they were there in 2012 and they have good experience from that occasion um, look at the supporters in Galway will be delighted you know the, the players are there they, you know, a lot of people you know, we'll meet them in, on day-to-day occasions, and look, if players don't mind, they'll have a chat with supporters and all the rest. But I think the next week, you know, they'll get back to Galway. There'll be a lot of, it'll be a great buzz around Galway. It'll probably settle down for a week and then come back the week before the match. But the players, all they can do is prepare and train hard and get, get ready for Kilkenny in three weeks' time. And just before I let you go, lots of people will want to take up the sport of hurling after today's dramatics, and if they do that, the best place to go to get a hurley is Canning Hurleys. So how do they get in contact? Yeah, Canning Hurley's back in Portumna. We're always available. Um, <laughs> they can give the look us up on the website there and you get a contact number there. But uh, yeah, the lads are flat out making Hurley's down in Portumna there in Galway and uh, hopefully the, a few of the guys there the next day playing Kilkenny will be using the sticks and hopefully it'll bring them good results. Ollie, thanks. Former All-Ireland winning Cork goalkeeper, current Dublin manager and uh, competition ambassador for the Board Gosh Energy all-Ireland Under-21 Hurling Championship, Jerk Cunningham. We're looking forward to the semi-finals in Thurlis this Saturday night. A double-header live on TG Cahar. Updates available on uh, Off the Ball on News Talk. Wexford against Antrim and Limerick against Galway. Two tantalising games. Yeah, Oisín, really looking forward to them. Uh, we've come to the, you know, to come to the business end of the season out of the stage. Um, obviously, the main attraction probably be the main game would be the Limerick-Galway game from the point of view of, uh, you know, that's... Uh, that should be a really, really great game. On one side of it, you've got Limerick coming through after having, you know, won a fantastic Munster Championship, having two great games against Tipperary and Clare. And then, then Galway on the other side, you know, a bit unknown at this level. And all we can go on is look at, you know, the three lads that played yesterday in Crow Park and see what they're at at the moment and see how they're playing. So uh, that should be a really, really great game, you know. Uh, obviously, Wexford, I think, will obviously be favourites to come through the other side of the draw. Um, you know they they were they were particularly impressive in the in the Leinster final against Kilkenny and uh, you know again 
Antrim's record in the semi-finals at this stage hasn't been great. So again, from, you know, they're again a bit unknown uh, at being tested at this level. So you know, I think Wexford will probably come through on one side. The other one is a toss-up. Yeah, we'll get to Limerick and Galway in a moment, but um, Wexford and Antrim—it seems like a fate complete, but. Two years ago, it was the exact same, and Antrim yeah. pulled off a shock. They did, yeah. And I remember I was just talking to, talking to Conor McDonald and said earlier on there, I suppose, you know, I suppose four, four warned us, four armed, I think. You know what I mean? That happened two years ago. Um, you know, Antrim put up a great display the same day. You know, we came down with a good plan, played with two sweepers. You know, the Stockwicks were from playing, you know, kind of really got in underneath them. And I think whatever bit of complacency was probably there with Wexford at the, on the day, you know, they, they couldn't get it out of their system. So I think from talking to them there now today at the, at the, at the, at the launch today, um, you know, I think they're, they're probably determined the same thing probably won't happen again. So on all known form, I think you'd have to expect Wexford to come through. I remember hearing a story about that game, and it's absolutely true because it was Kevin Ryan who told the story, the manager of Antrim, uh, that there was a guy going around to players offering sweets from a bag of sweets before that game and they still went on and won now I know I suppose maybe that's not that much of a surprise because nowadays guys do actually take um, various sweets because it gets the sugar going but what's the worst preparation you've ever had for a game in your playing days and you still went on to win there's one there's one from left field uh, I suppose just nothing I, I have to think about that yeah. one because then it comes to mind straight away like you know what I mean but it's 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 just a typical situation where you know you can't just press a switch you know what I mean it's not just been getting ready yet you know, half an hour before a game to say, yeah, I'm ready to play here now. And I think, you know, the preparation starts, you know, weeks out, days out, you know, for a match like that. And I think for an All-Ireland semi-final, I think, you know, there should be no reason for complacency in any shape or form. Uh, you know, it's just, a, it's, you've just too much to lose. And I think just Wexford, as I say, you know, it happened to him before. And I think, uh, you know, the same people, I know JJ's involved and some of the players, might, same players might be involved as well. So I think they'll be making sure the same thing doesn't happen again. Did you ever have a bag of chips or anything today? Have a challenge match, anything like that? No. <laughs> certainly, like in, in, in our day, like it certainly wasn't. A, it certainly wasn't a focus on nutrition and and, uh, <laughs> and, and and hydration compared to what's there today. You know what I mean? Definitely. You know, so I say we can recall certainly some preparation for some matches wasn't great. Yeah. Let's talk about Limerick and Galway. A great Munster Championship and Limerick will have been strengthened by their journey through it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they've been really impressive. Uh, I think uh, Tipperary probably would have been the expected team to come through the, in, in the semi-final against Limerick, having won the minor three years ago. Uh, you know, and by all accounts came down well prepared, and we're very confident of uh, of beating Limerick. But uh, fairness to Limerick that night, they, they, they started very well. Tip came back. I think went went a point ahead, and I think just Limerick have shown great resilience this year. You know, they have a, they have a good balanced team. Uh, obviously, a couple of a couple of leaders that are that are playing well, the likes of Keane and and uh, and, and maybe David Dempsey and these guys, but. They're a very solid team, and like you know, they went they went tennis, which is no easy place to go, you know, to to uh, to get a result uh, and put up a very good performance. And I think uh, you know the the confidence they'll get from that, uh, I think will will stand to them. And I think the benefit of having two really tough games obviously is a big advantage from going into the semi final. Keen Lynch is a bit of a linchpin for them, if you pardon the expression. Yes, he is, and I think the way they played him, you know, he, he's named at 15 and he plays out around the tournament field, uh, plays out there, you know, gets involved in the game. He's a very good player, you know, he's 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 he's, he's very exciting to watch. Like I think he's one of the really one of the players for the future. I think you know he's one of the players. I think that the the Limerick supporters get a buzz out of watching. Like that, you know, he's going to be their he's going to be their man for the next ten years. You know, so um, you know he's a great prospect. But equally on the other side of the on the Galway team, equally as much as well. Yeah. Let's talk about Galway because it's hard to know where they're at considering they haven't had a game yet. Yeah. Absolutely, but I suppose you look at. Galway Miners are in the All Ireland final. Galway Intermediates won the All Ireland uh, last weekend. They're under 21. You know, every year they're able to do it. They're able to manage it. They're able to, you know, to come in at the semi-final stage, and most of the time they perform. 
and we're watching last year like a smashing game against Wexford in the semi-final they played really well and I, I just think it's just that I think Wexford pulled through in the end it's just that match practice and yeah. having the benefit of coming through a, a provincial campaign I think stood to this to, stood to Wexford last year and I think the same thing might happen to them but again you look at you know the, the lads that played yesterday and their form and, 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 and there seems to be obviously the connection with uh, Anthony's with the, the intermediates as well and in 21s there seem to be kind of there's a connection all the way through again they're just unknown yeah. but even from the point of view of their current situation in relation to match practice but on paper on form they have some really there's some serious players it has the potential to be an absolute belter what about Dublin you've, you've had a bit of time to reflect now going out to a very good Waterford team with time to reflect, as we say, what do you make of the year gone, your first year in charge? Uh, I, I suppose, like anything, uh, you know, after losing to losing losing to Waterford, we were really disappointed because we felt, you know, we'd put ourselves in a in a very good position at half time, and uh, you know, we kind of lost our way a bit in the first five or six minutes of the second half, and uh, you know, I, I just, you know, we we. we we showed great determination and great heart. We, we stuck in there and we, 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 we chased the game a bit. I suppose, like anything, really, you know, like I was reading an article that Clerken had last week and I thought he put it very well, you know, that everything starts out hoping to win something or wanting to win something and are judged by maybe silverware and only one team can win it, you know. So, looking over it the past year, you know, there was some good performances. We, we think we mixed the good uh, and then we had some, you know, some, some, some days as well that we'd like to forget about. Um, so, I think, you know, hopefully the foundation is there for, for to, to build on, um, you know. We felt if we had gotten over Waterford, we would have, you know, loved the chance of to cut off Kilkenny, you know, just to... I think traditionally, you know, Dublin have no fear. Kilkenny would have loved to play them, and I think, you know, we'd have we'd have had a go. But you know, that's it's, it's gone. It's over, and you know, it ends very suddenly. You know, the kind of season comes to an end. The minute you lose, it's over, and you know, players finish and they go back to their clubs, and you know, they start focusing on their club championship. So, you know, it gives us a bit of time to reflect, and uh, we'll review it, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll pick it up as the year goes on. Then again, good performance by the Miners in the All Ireland semi final against uh, Tipperary. The under twenty ones probably should have beaten Kilkenny they were very unlucky not to beat Kilkenny so it suggests that there is work being done and talent coming through in Dublin yeah there is and I think it's well known like there is a lot of work being done at underage level uh, with development squads and that kind of stuff and, 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 and GDAs in Dublin as well there is a lot of work and a lot of focus and a lot of effort being put into underage hurling and uh, hopefully that will come true and uh, as you say the minors just uh, you know you know, put up a great performance and you know, probably just uh, just maybe the disappointing last ten minutes where I think they were outscored six scores to one or six points to one at the end. But again, you know, they, they, I think one of the lads at that was I think some of them. I think there's upwards of seven of that team maybe underage again next year. So yeah, the future is bright and the under twenty ones, as you say, you know, in a game, you know, that they felt themselves they should have won the match that they were they felt they were over Kilkenny that night in, in Parnell Park. And if you know, if you had if you'd won that, you'd, you'd have gone down to down to Wexford and play the you know playing in these matches is is good for your development and and yeah. gives. You know, the likes of us an opportunity to see players playing in a highly competitive environment like you know Don Logue expressed concerns about Cork a couple of weeks ago and the, the structures would you worry about that as a, as a, as a died in the wool Cork man uh, yeah but I suppose you know like anything my focus now is going to is on, yeah. is on, is on Dublin like you know what I mean so you know like, like anything there's this, this, uh, this, 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 this a focus and I know this is I suppose from the point of view of having to you know to, to reflect you know they're, they're doing probably the same as ourselves but uh, my focus has to be in Dublin but I mean that the underage structures and coaching and all that yeah. you know at minor under 16 yeah. development squads all that yeah no I, I, I've, I've seen it first time myself because I was involved with the, with the, with the under 15s last year uh, and I, there is a lot of good work being yeah. done at development squads you know what I mean but 
you know, unfortunately with development squads, it takes time for these for these things to come true. And uh, you know, you're you're starting with under 14s, under 15s, and you know, but I think you will see the the, the benefits of the underage structure or the development squads that have been there for the last number of years. It, it, it's from kind of from, from now on. I think the minors this year were quite competitive. They could, have, you know, they felt they should have beaten Limerick. I think the next few years you will see an improvement in it, and and, and Cork getting back to being more competitive and, and you know and having more success at, at underage level. Can't wait to get to Thurles though this Saturday night. It should be. At the very least, one very good game, maybe two, if, if Antrim can put in a performance. Yes, absolutely. You'd be hoping that Antrim will really put up to Wexford. I think Wexford, you know, would prefer a challenge as well, and would prefer a close game. You know, they don't want to. It does them no benefit. Like if they if they if they win a handy game, I think they'll be looking for a serious challenge from Antrim. It'll do them good. They said the other game is a toss up. You know, on paper, you know, Limerick and Galway should be an absolute belter of a game, and uh, you know, it all leads then to hopefully uh, to a great All Ireland final in Thurles as well. And at the end of the season, you, I, Ken McGrath, Joe Canning and Micheál O'Donnell have to sit down and pick a team of the season from the Borgash Energy Under-21 Hurling Championship. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the most difficult, one of the most enjoyable ones, but it's also quite difficult <laughs> when you sit down. And, you know, and I was even going to go through a, a draft of the potential team there recently, with, uh, just, just going through a few names of people that have impressed uh, up to now. Uh, you know, there's some serious competition in, in relation to certain positions, like there's been some outstanding performances, like, you know... Uh, it, it will be a difficult task because there'll be a lot of players that put their hand up for selection and uh, you know but I suppose that's one of the joys of it and we look forward to doing it after the final cheers sir thanks for sharing Camogie now on the Rewind here on News Talk and on Saturday Galway shot Wexford in the Liberty Insurance All-Ireland semi-final at Nolan Park 114-210 to they'll meet Cork in the final after they overcame Kilkenny 4-10 to 1-10 in Walsh Park on Sunday Galway's Sarah Durvin spoke to Galway Bay FM's Darren Kelly after their dramatic win over Wexford to a Neve McGrath free deep in injury time. It was nail biting stuff there for the last few minutes. I don't know how we managed to edge it up, and credit needs to go to Neve McGrath for what she did there today for that for free. That was serious, serious pressure, and she stuck to her guns and she stuck it over the bar. And thankfully, he blew up the whistle and we won it. Because as you mentioned, Neve McGrath too, a sad day for the family after losing her grandfather too. So it was, of course, extra pressure too to step up there and get a match winner. Oh, absolutely! Like especially after everything now they've gone through. Like he passed away last night, and they took really guts and Jesus they put their hand, their heart on the line for us today and stood up and they were counted for all of them themselves Claudia and Orla who there there three of them were there today and they pushed us on and thank God we won for them as well and of course Siobhan too getting the goal in the first game one thing about this Goway performance today was the guts and like it might be the most fluid Goway performance maybe the four weeks told us tale a bit but these are the days you to step up and show great character and that was definitely not lacking in Goway today no th- no exactly um, I suppose we came here today to work on a good performance and we did that in patches um, I suppose we have a lot of work to do before we think, even think about the All-Ireland um, we, we were up six points at one stage and we we let it go too quick to back to a point and thankfully we we hurled and we worked and we fought like dogs to, to keep the win and, and keep the, the the point going like and thank God we, we have it here today. Wexford, uh, we beat Wexford twice this year. It's a completely different Wexford team today. Indeed, only three of that team started the league match in Loch Ray back in March, would you believe it? The big names were back from Wexford and they were making an impact. Oh, absolutely. And we were fully aware of that today that we, they had girls back and they reminded them. I think they nearly got caught by Dublin by not playing a couple of them, but they brought them today and we knew we had a, a battle on today and we knew we had to show up ourselves and we needed to win it. Like, we've girls got injured, the likes of Clodagh or Orla, as I said, and Amory Star, and we needed to do it for them and for ourselves. We 
we put in hard work and I'm so happy we just we have it today and we won it and we have an all Ireland to look forward to but we have a lot of work to do yet It was a battle today Emical Kelly going off the injury before half time and how Susan Ernest did in that pitch for the full 66 minutes I'll never, I'll never understand but Galway came to battle They did we did and we fought and we we showed great heart there like I know we let them back in but we still stuck to our guns and we Aoife won a free over the corner there that knee just dropped short and thank God it just dropped down on the with the wing backs hands and over the over the line and we got another free and another chance and we went put that over and you know we have great hearts this team and we have great want and I just hope to God now we we put the pedal to the middle and we win it because it was looking good at certain stages Molly Dunn's goal another classic for Magic Molly this year great scores um, Lee McGrath we mentioned Neve Kilkenny Ailish O'Reilly Aoife Donoghue as well so it was looking good at one stage and then Wexford do but Wexford do got that crucial goal yeah they got one in the first half which was just it was just an error I think um, in the back like, and, and one in the second half they just never went away from us they stayed chopping away and they still pinted and pinted and uh, they, they, they brought us down to their level and they they we thank God we ground, grinded it out. We really did just grind it out today. Now, Sarah, I know you said a lot of work to do, but Goway are back in Crow Park. It feels like a famine now, two years. But thankfully, Goway are back for a chance to reclaim that title. Oh, definitely. And um, it's brilliant. It's mighty. But we, we really need to stay grounded today. And we need to work hard. We have a lot to work on. We have our, our performances. Was like, It was great in patches, but then we went out of it and we let them back in. So like we have, we're have we not taking anything for granted. The two teams tomorrow are huge teams. And uh, whoever comes out with that will be a great, a, a big team now. Well, of course, Cork and Kenny, whoever it is, it'll be a great battle. But we're looking forward to the first Galway team of the weekend is in Crow Park. Hopefully the lads do the same tomorrow. Sarah, you are the Galway BFM player of the match. I'll let you get back to the team. Well done. My throat, my throat won't be happy about it in the morning, but well done and a great victory. Thanks very much, Sarah. Thanks a million. Well, that's it for the Rewind on News Talk this week. We're back next week when we'll kick off our World Cup Legends series and we'll analyse Kerry and Tyrone in the All-Ireland semi-final, that one taking place on Sunday. We'll also look ahead to Dublin against Mayo. That's the second semi taking place on Sunday week. We will continue our Premier League coverage. Don't forget, on Sunday, off the ball is two live and exclusive commentary matches. West Brom taking on Chelsea and Everton meeting Man City. They have the potential to be very, very good games. Until next week, it's goodbye from me. Don't forget to join off the ball every night this week from 7. And I'll be with you on News Talk Breakfast every morning, just before half 7 and just before Half eight. Goodbye, good luck. Rewind with Machine Langan. The referee blows the full time whistle and Galway have beaten Tipperary to reach the All Ireland final, and you cannot say that they don't deserve it. Overall, it's not ideal if you're going into games where teams have matches like last year, we benefited. At the same time, I think Galway had a hunger and a, a composure that, that would have been hard to beat by any team, whether you played last week or the week before. I suppose there have been times before where Galway have thrown in the towel early and we got two or three sucker punches in the second half as well and recovered very well. Look, we'll be happy with the carriage of the revolution we've seen there. Chelsea have lost it on the edge of the area. Fernandinho! Oh! Tracking goal from Fernandinho! Seals the points! For Manchester City. I think the easy way for me to speak about the game is the best team in the first half won the game. We were defensively poor in the first half. That's that's good. Now it's Aaron Ramsey. Brilliant possession football from Arsenal. The cross in from Bayer. He made it the back post. Oh, it's an own goal. It's been put into his own net. 
by Damien Delaney. In the quality of our game, we play at a much higher pace. Also mental aspect as well, to see how we respond to a big disappointment like we had last week. At the end of the game, we had as well to dig in and uh, to defend, and we did that as well, so it was very important. People love saying the word, you know, game management, and it was, it was important for me to go out and... Um, you know, I've been working really hard with Joe and you know, one of my main roles as an out half is to, you know, bring other players into the game and you know, I did my best to do that today and uh, in fairness to the, the guys around me they made it made it very easy for me. Even before I finished I had tears coming out of my eyes and um, it's just amazing to get the the feeling of being able to finish and, and being a major champion is great. You know, I may only get one but I'm I'm trying to shoot for more but um, you know, I just gotta soak it in, it's just feeling great.